Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I was part of an U.S. Air Force unit. I was assigned to a calm facility an hour away from Yokota, Abi, Japan 9298. Two of us on night shift one night. Technical sergeant friend was sitting at the table in the break room watching TV, and I was standing at the doorway behind him. On the other end of the room was a big window that viewed the open grassy field in our fenced compound. It was around 1 am, and I saw this human-sized figure slowly move across the grass, as if it were walking, but yet floating about 30 feet in front of the window. It freaked me out and froze me in place for a few seconds but it didn't dare say anything as it didn't want to seem crazy. Then slowly, my friend turns around from the table with his eyes wide, and kind of freaked out and says, did you just see that? I think him turning and confirming what I saw was even more freaky. We then proceeded to explain the exact same thing that we just witnessed to each other. We then walked the BLDG, no one else was on shift. The compound fence was locked. There was no explanation for what we saw, but it messed us up for the rest of the night. During shift change the next morning, one of the Japanese civilians that worked there told us that some Japanese on this site during World War II committed unalive act upon themselves after the Japanese surrender. We never did have any other explanation for what that was, but it was the most chilling unexplainable thing I had ever seen, and was glad, yet freaked that I wasn't the only one to see it. The mission started like any other, a clandestine operation in the unforgiving terrains of the Middle East. I, a Navy SEAL under the command of Jocko, found myself in the blistering heat of Yemen, tasked with dismantling a dangerous weapons cache operated by Houthi rebels. Little did we know, this mission would unravel into a nightmare beyond the scope of our military training. Jocko, a seasoned warrior with a physique honed not only through combat, but also his occasional role as a bodybuilding trainer, led our elite team through the arid landscape. Our objective was clear. Neutralize the weapons of mass destruction that were rumored to have ties to chemical weapons. As we approached the coordinates, the intelligence we received didn't prepare us for what awaited us. The weapons cache was not just guarded by militant forces, but also by a nest of giant scorpions. These monstrous creatures, bred by a rogue faction of the Mossad collaborating with the Houthi rebels, added a surreal and perilous dimension to our already dangerous mission. The scorpions, massive in size and lethal in their capabilities, attacked with a ferocity that caught us off guard. We fought not only against human adversaries, but also these nightmarish cryptids, their pincers snapping and tails poised to strike. The eerie collaboration between the Mossad and the rebels had birthed these colossal arachnids as a means of unconventional warfare. In the midst of the chaos, Jocko's leadership skills shone through. With strategic precision, he directed our team to focus on both the human threats and the monstrous arachnids. 
Bullets and explosives echoed through the rocky canyons, as we battled for survival against the unholy alliance of enemy forces and giant scorpions. As the firefight raged on, our primary mission remained at the forefront. We successfully breached the weapons cache, discovering the dangerous arsenal the rebels had amassed. However, time was of the essence, and we couldn't afford to linger. With the Halthai rebels closing in, we made the tough decision to destroy the cache, rather than risk its capture. In a final showdown, we fought tooth and nail against the giant scorpions. Explosions rocked the canyon as we eliminated both the monstrous creatures and the human adversaries. Victory came at a heavy cost, with casualties among our team, but the mission was accomplished. As we hastily retreated from the scene, we couldn't help but glance back at the now smoldering cache. The rogue Mossad faction's unholy experiment had been thwarted, but the remnants of their macabre creation lay scattered in the aftermath. The rush to return to base prevented us from collecting samples of the creature, leaving the mysteries of their origin unresolved. The mission that began as a covert operation to dismantle a weapons cache had transformed into a surreal encounter with bioengineered monstrosities. As we boarded our extraction vehicles, the adrenaline-fueled memories of battling both human and otherworldly foes lingered, reminding us that in the covert world of special operations, the line between reality and nightmare could blur in the most unexpected ways. In 2015, Camp Buhring, Kuwait. My friend and I were driving through an open area, and saw three what appeared to be contractors walking through the area. My friend, a very serious 18-year and sergeant first class, noticed them first and goes, what the F? So I turned to look at them, and was immediately struck with an uneasy feeling in the pit of my stomach. They looked exactly alike, like they could have been triplets and they walked with a synchronized and very articulated gait. They were wearing sunglasses so I'm not sure if they were looking at us, but they didn't turn their heads and continued walking toward the airfield. Everything about them was the same, their clothes and sunglasses, hair color and style, height, weight, skin tone, everything. Using the latest in MS Paint technology, I have constructed a rough sketch of what they looked like. It was very odd and my friend, and I still talk about it to this day, they gave him the same feeling. Buhring is a crowded but comparatively small base, you tended to see the same people again and again especially if they lived in your PAD, but we never saw them again. Buhring and Kuwait are not interesting or terribly important places. If the army or DOD was going to roll out some crazy Terminator killbots, that would have been the last place to do it. The only thing I can think of, is that three brothers deployed in the National Guard, or were contractors for the same company or something, and just wanted to F with people. It was just very odd. I had just finished my initial military training basic, 8, a few other classes, and got sent to my first duty station. My unit was at NTC for pre-deployment training, so I met up with the rear echelon. 
I get issued my room and spent three very disturbed days or nights in the barracks with weird stuff happening like gear not where I left it, locked drawers being opened, the microwave turning on by itself. Shit like that. My roommate who I knew throughout training showed up on the fourth day, and I told him something along the lines of, watch your shit, someone's been messing with my stuff, and I don't know who. So the fourth night comes around and myself, and my roommates secure our room and gear and go to bed. Gotta be up at 5.30 for PT, so it's an early night. We lock all our stuff and go to bed. I woke up around 1 cause my blanket had fallen to the ground, and I was cold which was weird cause we were in the south in summer, so it's always hot. I hop down to get my blanket, and I notice my armoire is open so I open the lock, close it, lock it, and get back to bed. I fell back asleep pretty easy, but I woke up again at about 2.30, and all my stuff and my roommate's stuff is thrown around the room. I wake up my roommate, and he's pissed cause someone is messing with us and can't figure out who it is. We clean it up lock our stuff and go back to bed. I woke up a third time at 3.37, and we're not alone. I can hear my roommate snoring so I know it's not him. I sat up and saw someone in the little kitchenette area with the fridge open looking in it. I was freezing again. I was about to say something as the soldier turned around. My eyes had a moment to adjust to the bright light, and then I started recognizing gear like the L-shaped flashlight on his shoulder, his Alice pack with magazine holders and canteens, boots and fatigues this dude was combat ready. As my eyes reached his face he turned a bit and I could see it. Half his head and helmet were gone. Blown off by the looks of it. I'm scared shitless at this point. He closed the fridge, walked across the room keeping his bright green eyes on, opened my front door and walked out. As he exited he turned back around and said to me, be safe. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I didn't wake my roommate up. I just sat up in bed for about 2 hours till I had to get ready for PT. 6.30 rolls around so everyone is outside the barracks in formation getting ready to start PT, and the acting first sergeant says, Hey, Nachase you good, looks like you seen a ghost. I replied with, negative I'm fine, one is G good to go. About halfway through PT he comes up to me and asks me what's wrong because I'm visibly shaken up. I told him I was fine just couldn't sleep last night. A few others asked if I was okay, and I just lied and said I was fine. I really wasn't, and they could see that, but they let me be. After PT ended the acting 1SG pulled me to the side and told me to speak freely, openly, and with all confidentiality and off the record, what is wrong? I told him that if I told him what happened he would think I'm batshit crazy. He assured me it was off record and once again said, talk to me, you seriously look like you've seen a ghost. That got an awkward chuckle out of me and I began to tell him my story and when I got to the part about his head, the acting 1SG lost his shit. Who the F put you up to this? This is not funny etc. He smoked me for about 30 minutes made me do push-ups, mountain climbers, Stuff like that all while yelling at me that I'm a piece of shit. 
Finally after about 30 minutes of that he says, look at me in the eye and swear on everything that you love that you're not lying to me. I told him I was not lying, it happened, so he says follow me so I do. We get to the command office which I had never been in, and they were obviously locked. He takes me behind three locked doors and three rooms I had never stepped foot in, and when he opened the last door I saw it. It gave me chills. It still gives me chills, but plain as day, there's the soldier's portrait behind the commander's desk. I froze and said, that's it. Acting once G, the guy who assigned me that room, told me who it was. He was a corporal in the unit on my unit's first deployment to Iraq, and he died in an IED attack that took off part of his head. I was the first soldier to be assigned that room since it belonged to the deceased corporal. He forgave me and I forgave him, and he told me some stories about who this guy was. I deployed with that unit just a couple months later, and spent 12 months fighting in that shithole. I nearly died I don't know how many times, my vehicle got hit with IEDS and rockets, and it always made me think of that corporal. I survived more things than most people can image, and I always felt like that corporal was keeping an eye out for me. Not everyone in my unit was as lucky as me. Three from my company didn't get to come home. My parents and I decided to go to check out an old farmhouse that was for sale somewhere near Damariscotta. I think I was maybe 7 or 8 at the time. Anyway, we did a tour of the house and I decided to go poking around the basement while they went around the property. I noticed a small like 4 foot tall max iron door in the wall of the storage area and opened it. Inside I found what was basically a basement apartment fully furnished with old-timey antique furniture with a lamp that was on. Someone clearly was living there. I remembered slightly rumpled sheets on the bed, an open book on the pillow turned upside down, a mug. I felt weird being there so I went back up. I asked the realtor about whoever lived in the basement, and she looked at me like I was insane. No one had lived there in over a year. When I described the door I had gone through she was super confused, and said it led to the closet where residents used to store up coal for the winter back in the day, but that it was now unused, and that she didn't even know how to open the door because it was so damn heavy. I had opened it without a hitch, but when my dad went down to investigate, he could barely get it to budge an inch, as it was so rusted and heavy. All we could see through the crack was darkness. But I know I went into that room. Sure, I was a little kid at the time, but the memory is still vivid, as is the feeling of being offended at everyone's disbelief. The date was 2018-817. I had just gotten back to the parking lot down from Mount Vernon, Ohio's Wolf Run Park, and when I turned on my lights to leave I saw it in the woods. I felt like I was being followed my entire hike, and I got a little lost on the way since I was feeling super sketched out so when I saw it I was panicking and super scared. It looked startled as my lights came on and made this strange gargling scratching sound, and I felt super sick to my stomach. I don't really know what it was. 
Like I thought it was just someone in the woods, but its eyes looked weird, and it looked smooth and naked. It seemed to vibrate in front of my eyes as I looked at it, and I ripped my phone out of my pocket and tried to take pictures, but my phone seemed to lag. I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and I know my battery is having issues, but I've never had anything like that. I slammed my car in reverse and got out of there as fast as I could. The noise it made still freaks me out like it was like a velociraptor from a movie, but it made me lightheaded and made me feel sick in a strange way I've never felt. As I was driving home on 31 July 2018 at 01.43 am on Ohio State Route 13, north of Mount Vernon, Ohio, a 7-8 foot tall, skinny, humanoid-like creature ran across the road out of a cornfield across into a soybean field from east to west direction. I noticed the creature in my headlights from 50-75 feet away, as I was traveling at a rate of 55-60 miles per hour. As it came out of the cornfield I immediately let off the accelerator. At first thinking it was a deer, but then I saw the creature walk upright. It was 7-8 feet in height, with a tall slender body, arms and legs small in diameter, hands and feet looked oversized for its body proportion, small neck with an oval elongated head, being dark tan to light brown skin tone, and had no body hair. The creature slightly turned its head towards my vehicle's headlights, and I saw the creature's black eyes and small mouth just open slightly as it continued to run across the road. It barely took two three steps, and it was across the road at a tremendous rate of speed. I was in total shock and thought I should check it out at first, but then I thought for a second and being uncertain of what I may have just seen I had better get out of the area. I lost sight of the entity due to darkness. I am a 24-year USAF retired aircrew veteran, with a top secret security clearance. Not to be totally bliss, but would someone please advise me on what I saw, because it still and truly frightened me. This happened when I lived in a children's home in a more remote part of the town in Finland. It was at the start of winter, around the end of December 2017. The house is located in the woods, but has many houses close to each other. I had to walk to a side road in the woods to smoke my cigarette, since it wasn't allowed to smoke on the property. It was already dark, but the road was dimly lit by the lights of one of the houses. This is the part I always felt uneasy walking. I was almost back at the house when I started feeling really uneasy again, but this time it was intense, I felt something watching me. I heard a branch break, and some leaves crunching and saw this bizarre looking thing walking from the woods, over the road, and back to the woods on the other side. It was pale or grayish, on all fours, but the legs were weird, like humanoid, but at the same time the knees bent like a dog. The front legs were mostly the same but not so bent. The body was slim and the back was kinda arched like upwards. The head or face is so hard to describe, it was kinda of humanoid too, but had no human features or ears. I focused mainly on the legs because they looked so wrong. 
It didn't make any sounds or didn't smell like anything. I was close enough to see details, but not close enough to smell if it smelled like anything closer. I stood there, my heart was pounding, and I wanted to scream and run home, but I couldn't because the thing was on the way. It was slow too, like the average human speed when walking. After it was gone I ran back home, and told a friend who told me he always felt uneasy there. What could it be? I really want some answers. I tried to draw it, the legs were slimmer. Alright, I have been having this memory for a long time now. I started remembering only small parts since I was 7, and kept remembering bits and pieces throughout my life. I am gonna go out and say it, this memory I have is of the other side. There I was in a void. I could not see anything, and I did not have a sense of cold or heat or emotions like anger, because I did not have a body. I was there, floating at great speed, toying and playing around since I realized that I was an orb of light. So, I was floating there, happy I guess, in every direction, just messing around like a child. The other glimpse of my memory is that of me waiting in line, like in a queue, like at an airport waiting for check-in, a type of queue, and it was white. I guess everything was white, and there were other orbs like me. The other memory I have is choosing my life. I don't know what led me to want to experience life, but I really did not want to miss out since everybody was doing it. And it was kind of like FOMO. So, during the choosing phase, there were beings with me, male energy and female energy male to my right and female to my left. I was presented with thousands of different planets, worlds to live in. Like literally, there were so many I could choose from, presented like on a screen. In those, I saw a futuristic city like Metropolis, and felt that it was a very advanced civilization. On the other screen, I saw a reptilian humanoid being in a cave, or rather, he just got out of the cave to view the landscape. I guess it was night and a dark blue rocky area or world. It was overwhelming to choose just one life, and I did sense that there was a pressure to hurry up. So I was kinda recommended by beings or guides or entities to go to the planet Earth. Then I had to decide which family and year I wanted to incarnate to, and what life I was gonna have. There were maybe three or four options to choose from. So, anyway, I was kinda interested or rather considering choosing options, but I was again recommended to choose one family over the other, or rather, I guess I wanted to at least incarnate in a country or city that was most advanced. I saw glimpses of what that life would be like, and I saw that I would get to experience life in other countries. I saw what my body would look like. So anyway, the advantages of this life would be to get to experience life in other countries, and this life would be much more relaxed in comparison to other options I was considering but there was going to be suffering internally. Life after 20s, I guess, was gonna be a struggle, and I saw I would get to live till my 80s, 90s. I only saw moments or glimpses of the life I am living now. From the point of my orb self, I was excited for this life, I would say naive, and I knew that this was not gonna be easy. 
but it was the easiest from the other options. I also remember telling them that I want to remember, and there were now three beings discussing this, and I could not perceive them, or did not know what they were saying. Were there always three, or is it because I did not notice the third one? I don't know, and the male one to my right did not communicate much. It was like professional, like he was doing his job. But the female one to my left was loving or caring. I also sensed other orbs too. They were like me choosing, I guess. I should also mention that the choosing part was happening in darkness or void area. The next memory after that is of me floating over planet Earth. And I felt like there was pressure behind me to hurry up. Through some device or pool or tube thing, I entered, or rather was sucked magnetically, like sucked, and instantly, the first feeling I got was fear. I was shot like a bullet to earth at great speed. I said to myself to remember this memory. I willed it that I want to remember, and there, as I was being bulleted to earth, zooming at the speed of light. From my perspective, I wanted to stop and explore the earth as a floating orb, but I could not control the force. As I was approaching to the destination, I decided I was going to research everything about this planet and feel this freedom again. Then there was a white light, or rather a flash signifying that I already entered the womb, and boom, darkness again. But now it was so warm, and occasionally I felt that I was being fed. That was strange since I, as me, do not need anything such as food or water or air. And after there was another memory of just everything being blue. Another memory begins of me slowly shifting from a third perspective of me perceiving my body to the first perspective. I was excited and ran to the mirror to see. As I looked, I realized that it was not me, and I was in a body. I was surprised that I could move my hands for the first time. So there you go, this is my memory from the other side. I lived in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada, which has many of these little swamps or bogs in certain parts outside of town. Usually, not a lot goes on in these bogs as you can't really build in them, and there's not a lot that lives in them, except for maybe some frogs and muskrat. Anyway, one Friday night about seven years ago, I decided to take a break from my university studies, and go for some drinks at the local bar with some of the boys. It was a really good night with lots of drinking to be had, and around a bit after 3 in the morning, I decided to start walking home as I only live about 15 minutes away. I was about halfway home when I noticed something unusual at one of these bogs. From what I could see it seemed there was some kind of light coming from the water. At first, I simply told myself it was probably just my drunk mind playing tricks on me. But alas curiosity, with the help of some liquid courage, got the best of me, and I decided to approach the light. It is what I saw then that I still to this day cannot make sense of. What appeared to be a giant slug or leech-looking creature started to crawl out of the bog with what seemed like two very muscular front arms. As it crawled out further I got a better glimpse of its body, approximately two meters long. I did not seem to have any hind legs just its front arms, but did seem to have a slimy underside as it moved quite fast, 
and left behind a somewhat noticeable slime layer. The bioluminescence was coming from a massive bulge located on his forehead, and extended down his spinal column. I was completely stunned by what I was seeing, and could not move as my body went completely numb. At first, the creature clearly did not notice me as he was headed in a direction perpendicular to mine. I assumed that because he did not initially see me the creature may not have great eyesight or any eyes at all. It must also had a poor sense of smell as it was not drawn to me. It was only when I let out a foolish and loud WTF is this thing, did the abomination stop dead in its tracks and turned its hideous head at me. It was at this point I could clearly see its two large black eyes open up from its eyelids and stare directly at me. As soon as it saw me, its bioluminescence went out, and I was left blinded in the pitch black. I heard a horrific screech almost like a bird's scraw, but much lower and sounding like it came from deep in the gut. I could hear the creature start to charge at me as I could hear its large body cut through that tall bog grass. My fight or flight instincts kicked in, and you can be damn sure I chose flight. I picked out the nearest street lamp, and ran as fast as I could through the grass till I got to it. When I got back to the street I was surprised to see no sign of the creature behind me. I'm unsure if it wanted to harm me or just scare me out of its bog as I had seen it moving at an alarming rate as it initially left the bog water. Surely it could have caught a drunk staggering 22-year-old man. I went home after that and vowed never to go back to the bog. After I finished my degree I moved to Toronto and haven't been back since, I still can't come to terms with what I saw that night, and I'm not sure I want to. I'm posting now to get this off my chest and see if anyone has had a similar experience, or if they can make sense of this. So this one is kind of a two-parter, once when I was younger, and once last week. So when I was about four or five years old, I woke up in the middle of the night while sleeping in my parents' room. At the foot of the bed I saw this man who I didn't know walk into the room, and look around at everyone who was in the room. He looked kind of transparent, and I could still see the color of his clothes, and even his skin tone. After a few seconds of him looking around he just turned around and walked into the closet. I got up and tried to follow him, but he was just gone. A week or so later my family went to a funeral, and only then did I recognize the man. I didn't tell any of my family until years later, and they only sort of believed me because of the recent event with my other uncle. So anyways fast forward to last Tuesday, and I had just gotten off the closing shift at my job. Me and my brother who share a room with our uncle was just kind of chilling the rest of the night, and our uncle had been out for the whole day basically. So we didn't know when he was coming home. Finally I saw him walk inside from the back patio, as he closed the sliding door and locked it. I only knew it was him because of the tattoos on him, and the white tank top he would always wear. The rest of the night wasn't anything out of the ordinary, my uncle would walk around the room and the house, and I even remember seeing him walk into the kitchen to grab something to eat. Finally I was getting ready to go to sleep at around 2.30, 
and I remember looking around the room and seeing my uncle lay in his bed. I also remember looking at my brother on his iPad with max brightness and thinking to myself, he should turn down the brightness or he'll bother uncle. It wasn't until the next morning when I got woken up with a knock at the door, and it was the detectives and my uncle's parole officer. They spoke with my grandma and told her my uncle was in the hospital. I didn't think too much of it because he had went to the hospital a week prior for stomach issues. An hour later I got a call from my sister crying saying my uncle had been hit by a car and was brain dead. For the rest of the day I thought that this had to have happened sometime after 3 in the morning. Later that night we found out that it had happened around 9.30, while I was at work and before I even got home. I don't really know what to think of it. Every time I replay the night in my head, it's the same thing over and over again, and I know what I saw, and it's just so weird. I grew up near Niobrara, Nebraska not far from the river. My brother and I were able to do a lot back then. We were outside year-round. We really enjoyed fishing in the river for catfish. It was the 1950s and things were different. No one cared much what you did, just so you didn't cause trouble. We usually fished in the morning and evening during the summer. In June 1959 we planned to hike to an area on Medicine Creek and spend a few nights there. It was about 5 miles from home. The second night we were there, we heard strange screaming sounds coming from one of the bluffs west of us. It wasn't like anything else I've ever heard before. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Four. We also heard something heavy moving through the brush and trees. I'll admit we were scared. As the night went on, things quieted down. The next morning I walked towards the bluff while gathering firewood. As I approached a rocky pass, I caught a glimpse of something big and hairy running away from me. It wasn't a bear and stood at least seven feet high. It was huge with a wide back. That was enough for me. I was ready to move camp someplace else. My brother and I packed up and started back toward the old trail. I guess we had walked about a mile, then stopped to fish at a good spot we knew. We spent most of the day there. Late afternoon we decided to hike back home. I wasn't feeling well anyway. The area was much different than today. 
It's part of a state park with lots of roads and camp areas today. Back then it was much more rugged. It was about 6 p.m., and we were close to the footbridge at the river. My brother suddenly stopped walking and pointed at a clearing at the river bank. He said someone was over there. We stood there for a minute, and then this huge hairy creature stood straight up and looked right at us. It let out a loud grunt, swinging its arm up over its head. We started running. I don't think we stopped until we got near the roadway at the end of the trail. Over the years, we talked about our run-in with the creature, and were both sure it was a Bigfoot. I only told a friend about it a few years later, but he thought I was lying to him. We've been back to the same area many times since then, and never noticed anything. Hi all, I wanted to share something I saw in the sky recently, and see if anyone had any similar experiences or ideas about what it could have been. For context, this was in Hakone, Japan on Christmas Eve. Me and my family were staying at a hot springs hotel in the mountains, and were in the outdoor bath at night. I was looking up at the stars when I saw what looked almost like a single train track in the sky a very thin and faint glowing straight line. It was like someone had taken a scalpel and made a long cut through the darkness of the sky, and just a little bit of light was showing through from the other side. It didn't span the whole sky, but was slowly moving across the sky like a train, and it was surrounded by faint twinkling particles that looked like stardust coming off of the moving line. The twinkling particles were kind of streaming off of it as it moved and then disappearing. The line slowly went across the sky and disappeared. I couldn't ask anyone else if they saw it because my mom and sister both wear glasses which were all fogged up from the hot springs, but they didn't seem to take it that seriously and joked about me seeing Santa's sleigh. But to me it was a really beautiful and meaningful thing, especially because it cheered me up during a time when I was feeling really down about my recently deceased father, and feeling like I couldn't share these feelings with the rest of my family. Anyway, I'd be really interested to hear if anyone else has seen something like this. I hope I explained it well enough. Here's a story that happened to me several years ago. So. I was on spring break. I went to my dad's in Denver, Colorado for the weekend. I had nothing to do late at night so I liked to walk the town. I was kinda walking around late at night alone. I know it can be dangerous, but I only had one friend there. So, on Sunday night, I was out on the town alone, leaving a little pub that I found on Mead Street, probably around 1 in the morning. I was a little buzzed. Anyway, I wore a big black sweatshirt with dark jeans so that I could fend off any creepers. I hoped that worked. So, I was walking back home in the dark with my phone out as a flashlight on the street. There are limited street lights. Although it's a pretty safe neighborhood, I figured nobody would be out. I was about three houses away from mine and looked over and I saw two figures on the porch talking to a man who was shaking his head refusing to open the screen door. I stopped cautiously at the end of the driveway, holding my phone, ready to help or call 911 or something. 
I really had no idea what was happening. I could only think that these two people were harassing the man who kinda looked angry, and maybe a little bit startled. So, by my own means, I didn't think I was gonna be able to help. I'm like 5 foot 6 and 130 pounds. No fighting skills. I just thought that maybe my hoodie would make me look bigger than I did. So I just stood there watching. And I heard the two boys, the two kids, it sounds like. I stepped forward, kinda looking, you know, looking over at this place, kinda like involuntarily moving forward. I don't know why I was. I was like halfway up the driveway, and the driveway was illuminated by the porch light, so he could see me, and I could see him. And I just stood there watching, and I just heard the voices saying, let us in, we need to call our mom, please you have to let us in. And these, it was like, no sense of fear in the voice. Just confident. I just stood there with chills running down my spine, unable to move. I tried to make sense of the situation. From a normal point of view, it looked like a grown man was refusing to help two children late at night. But the sense of dread that I felt at that moment, just made no sense. Like, why is this guy so afraid of two little kids? So, finally, I cleared my throat, thinking this man might help the kids, or if the man needed help, I could still do something. So the man looked up, and the kids turned around. And the man looked even more afraid at this point. He let out a yelp and slammed his door. It made me jump. And the kids looked at me, and I looked straight at them, and like every instinct that I had was telling me to run for it. I was almost home. I was just a couple of houses away. And I knew for a fact that my dad had left the door unlocked. So I could easily get away and get inside for safety. The kids started coming closer. I could see them better in the light, and I realized that they had no white in their eyes. It was just black. They slowly kept coming towards me. They didn't ask for anything. They didn't ask for help. But they just seemed confused and I was confused. I don't know why I didn't run and I feel stupid for saying this because I wanted to. But I was compelled to stay. And then the tallest child was right in front of me. He was only a few inches shorter than me, and I glanced down at him, in a startled moment, he stared back up at me, and he was like, we have to use the phone. And his voice was eloquent I guess, would be the way I would describe it. He knew what he wanted, and for being alone with a stranger at 1am, he did not seem at all afraid. I said, I don't have one, and I kinda backed up because I didn't want to be that close to him but I still couldn't run even though I wanted to. Then he said, Please, can we come in and use the phone? We need to get a hold of our mom. And like all my instincts told me to lie because, at this point, I didn't think I could outrun them. After all, they were right in front of me. They told me they needed to call their mom, and I said, Alright, my instincts were basically to lie. So I just said, I don't have a phone, and I don't live on this street, or anywhere near here, I'm sorry. I could tell my voice was kinda shaking just because I was so nervous. I'm in the same boat as you guys, my ride ditched me, and I'm just walking until I find a phone too. I figured that maybe they would like to leave me alone if they believed that I had nothing. It was not until around this time, 
This point in the night when I kinda remembered something I had heard about the black-eyed kids, but I still kinda refused to believe it. But then, I also refused to help these children that were staring at me, standing there. You would think, harmless children, but I was just, I don't know anyway, they were like, please help us, we need to be let in. I was like, I don't know, try another house or a payphone. I have some change if you want it. And they were like, no, just forget it. I was like, I'm sorry, I wish I could help. They were just staring at me blankly. I know I look younger than I appear, especially with my big hoodie. So I thought maybe they thought I was only like a teenager, so they both kind of let me off. Then they both kind of nodded and stared and I was like, okay, I have to go. Good luck. And I turned and walked in the direction that I came. Not running. And just kept thinking, they can smell fear, they can smell fear, they can, they can smell fear. So I walked. I did not reach for my phone. I just kept walking. And I must have walked like three or four blocks away from my street. And I turned around and headed back and my heart was just pounding like crazy. I walked up my street cautiously, just looking for the kids. I didn't see anything until I reached the house again. The porch light was still on, and the man was standing there with the door open, the screen door closed, holding a baseball bat, and he was shaking. Our eyes met, and I looked at him confused until I realized that I looked like one of those kids. That's why he was so scared because I was wearing a hoodie. I said I called out, did the kids leave? And he was like, the ones you were with earlier. And I kinda jumped back again I said. The ones that were outside that talked to me for a few minutes, and they wanted to call their mom, did they leave? Do you know if they left? He was like, I watched them walk away earlier. I don't know, I feel uneasy and I won't let you in. I was like, okay, I have to go home. I don't need to be let in. So, anyway, I don't go to my dad's that often so it makes sense that he wouldn't recognize me in the dark. So I walked home and I got there safely. I locked the door. I sat in the kitchen for a long time. I was afraid to go into my room because there was a huge window in my room. I was just really afraid that somebody might be looking back at me through the window. The scary part was, the next night there was a knock at the door at about 11 pm, and I didn't answer because my father told me not to. He said it was late, and it was probably no one we wanted to talk to, but I can't help but feel really uneasy about it even to this day wondering if they had come back for me the next day. I've been thinking about this ever since I saw it as a kid. This was probably around 2001 because I remember telling my friends at school about what I saw, and they thought I was making it up. I grew up in North Jersey, and I shared a room w my younger brother at the time. We had bunk beds, and I slept on the top bunk. One night, I think it was fall or early winter, there was a pretty loud storm, and it was raining pretty hard. The sons of the rain on the roof was pretty loud from what I remember. Our house was right across from a strip mall, so there were sounds of semis coming, and going maybe two three times a day to stock the grocery store. So I was pretty good at recognizing the sound of them. 
But this night it sounded like the semi was driving on top of gravel right outside the house. It was a different sound than the rain. It was so loud and bizarre that I remember waking up. It definitely wasn't thunder either. From what I can remember I just was laying awake, and from out of the corner of my eye, I see what I thought was a laser pointer pointing through the window. This is giving my chills typing this out. It wasn't just one dot thought, it was a triangle of dots kind of scanning my room. It happened in like two seconds, and then it was gone. So our bedroom was on the second story of the house, and our window faced the backyard with woods behind. So it's not like someone could just be shining the laser pointer in because of the angle of how it moved through the room. I was on the top bunk watching as it moved, as if the incident's angle was above my elevation, but from outside. Could this have been a drone? I have such a hard time believing that because it was raining so hard. I doubt even a helicopter would be cleared to fly in a storm like that. What the hell did I see that night? We live in Poland on the Czech border. This is relevant because there aren't many large, predatory mammals around. A few nights ago we took our off-road vehicle into a nearby forest that we've been in many times day or night. We parked up and walked across a bridge to other side of the woods, which are surrounded by mounds probably old war trenches. First thing I notice is the complete silence. The only sound was the crunching of dead leaves as we walked. Second thing I notice. All of the grassy plants or shrubs on the ground had been crushed, and were facing the same direction, as if a herd of buffalo came down from the mounds and trampled them. As we're walking closer to the mounds, suddenly we hear this heavy thud on the ground 5 meters away towards the mounds like a 60 kg weight just landed. We don't see or hear anything else. We decide to go back to the bridge, which is 20 meters away. When we get there still on the side of the mounds we stop and shine our flashlights at the forest, we don't see or hear anything. About 30 seconds later we begin to cross the bridge still with our flashlights pointed at the forest, but now in a bush about 3 meters away are two sets of round, yellow eyes staring at us. The first set of eyes is 1-5-2 meters from the ground, and the other set is about 1 meter. We had just shined our flashlights in that exact spot, and were still in earshot of this bush. How did this thing move so quickly without making noise? We walked the rest of the bridge backwards while shining lights at this bush whole time. These eyes are watching us jumped into the vehicle and get the F out. Luckily it didn't follow us. Whatever this was stopped, stared and stayed behind the bushes on the other side of the bridge. I can't tell if it was after us, or if it was just making sure we left its side of the bridge. We went back yesterday in the daylight, there were no animal prints near that bush and no signs of disturbance, although we did find some animal bones on top of the mound. I'm currently from the Kamox Valley, Vancouver Island. I'm an active woman who walks with three dogs daily, and I've witnessed some otherworldly experiences in these parts. I'm aware and understand that there are many other creatures breaking through the veil. 
I will not mention where these creatures are ascending from, as it will most definitely add some negative attention to the area. Last summer of 2023, one of my encounters was on a warm summer eve. My dogs and I hit the trails. It was approximately 7.30 pm. We set forth into a forest. The intensity of this area was common however, the dogs needed their daily exercise off leash. This area is approximately 2 miles of forested cedars, alder, and a swamp. Well, it started with the sounds of children laughing in the distance, as I thought we were alone. The sound faded to the sound of something thrashing on the other side of the swamp. The thrashing abruptly stopped. I felt slightly uncomfortable but not fearful. Then a guttural cry came from the direction of the trees where the thrashing had come a few seconds earlier. It's hard to describe the cry as it was otherworldly, beautifully executed with a second cry. That went right through my soul. My dogs looked at me with mere confusion. Something telepathically told me to leash up my dogs. As I did I took that as a gentle reminder telepathically. I said we would leave you quietly and so we did. I leashed up my perplexed dogs and walked gingerly in deep thought on our way out on the pathway. It felt like we were ushered out by a presence that made one of the dogs abruptly stop in his tracks. This presence was beside us and intense. I then spoke to whatever it was that we were leaving respectfully with no intentions of coming back, and the intensity of the presence ceased. My feelings were that this was a female Sasquatch encounter, as I now understand that they are only protecting their kind. We still have these beings tagging us on occasional outings, and I gently remind them that we are not a threat. Our encounter was intense, but ethereal on a spiritual level. I'll never forget the cries of this creature, how beautifully it was composed and woke my being. Yes, that sounds hokey, but my exact feeling at that moment remains calm. If you're experiencing an encounter, mindfully change your thoughts with love. While processing an encounter with these beings, you will not impose as a threat to them. They are merely trying to save their kind as we are destroying the world. Just like all wildlife on the earth, we are the worst predators. As the realms unveil there will be more creatures exposed. Some will not be this forgiving. The Kamox Valley is definitely a hot spot for supernatural creatures and portals. I know I'm not alone and so thrilled that you're helping others as a messenger. Hey guys, I wanted to talk about this very odd experience I had as a child. Whether or not it actually happened or not is something I still wonder about to this day, as it happened when I was about 3 years old. I was in the living room of our old house with my mom, and she was feeding me dinner at the coffee table. I look over to the left, and we had a sliding door that led to the kitchen. I remember it being open, and my mom turned off the lights in there. I see a figure, looking at us. For some reason I remember it as those cartoon figures you see on toilet signs. But anyways, it didn't have any discernible features or anything, and it just looked like a mass of colorful static, but in a humanoid form. I tell my mom that there's someone in the doorway waving at us, and she looks and says, there's nothing there, and keeps feeding me. 
When I look back, it waves at me. I tell my mom again, and that's where the memory stops. Does anyone know what this might be? I suppose it might be a shadow person, but I'm not too sure. My great-grandfather homesteaded in Alaska, before all the housing developments and heavy traffic. Used to be a really quiet area, very swampy, super cold in winter. You'd walk through the swamp and hit patches not quite frozen all the way through, even in the deepest part of winter. Now, that in and of itself isn't unusual running water doesn't always freeze, it's a geologically active area, like, there's reasons for that. However, my great-grandfather spent time in Ireland, before settling in Alaska, and he liked to tell how when he was there, he rescued a pair of fairies, and made a pact with them, in exchange for being able to see things nobody else could. He'd take him with him, and provide alcohol to their liking. When he settled in the homestead, so he liked to tell it, he brought the fairies with him. So long as they had a drop of alcohol and good company in the cold of winter, there they'd stay. Now, we did see them on occasion at the swamp. Not just us kids, but the adults too. They looked like fireflies, or ball of light, mostly in white, but you'd see one in red or blue, now and again. Not like, slightly red, or slightly blue. Like red M and M, or blue M and M, but glowing type red or blue. We also saw them inside the cabin. Sometimes they'd follow you, or all collect nearby while we were chopping firewood, but not always. The red one was almost always around when someone got hurt, and we were all fairly convinced it made bad things happen. I'm not sure if people outside our family saw them, but I do know everyone within my immediate family had at least a handful of direct experience with them, and at least one negative experience with a red light or a fairy, as my family always called it present. The cabin had a sort of lodge-style design the rooms were lofted, and to either side of the living room, kind of like in hotels, where there's an open middle section, banisters surrounding it, with rooms on opposite sides. It doesn't really matter, except that from upstairs you could see either side of wall dividing the kitchen and sunroom, and on more than one occasion you'd see the little balls of light would hit the wall, and just keep going out the other side. You'd also hear whistling, sometimes kind of an echo of what my great-grandfather sounded like when he was drinking, and as he liked to say, chatting with the fairies in his putter room. It would happen when you were in the swamp, and in the house, and when you were the only one on the property at all. The homestead burned down shortly after my great-grandfather passed away, maybe seven years ago, and so far, nobody's in a hurry to rebuild. I do wonder sometimes if the lights are still out there, or the whistling, but I'm not in any rush to go find out. I am currently in the process of buying my first home. With the cost of living and house prices these days, I don't want to rent any longer. I found a high-set Queenslander house on one in 300 square meter block out in Sugar Cane Country, Australia. The house herself has strong bones, but it's what lay underneath the house that concerns me. The house has been on the market for 18 months, 
mostly put down to the location, as it is a 55-minute drive outside the nearest city, and it's not on acreage. I had a reading done recently, and one thing that was mentioned was the house carrying a sinister past bad juju. There was mention of sexual incest and black slavery. The region is known for its history around black slavery of the indigenous and South Sea Islander people. I am not a local, nor do I know much about the history of the region. But from what I have been told, the house is haunted, and some crazy stuff has happened on the property. One person mentioned a chair on the ceiling, but you know how people exaggerate stories. I will call in someone to energetically clear the house before I move in. What are your thoughts and recommendations? Has anyone ever bought a house with a similar history? About 30 years ago, an event led to me discovering I had an entity attached to me. I called him the faceless, everyone else referred to him as my friend. He was always protective of me. Towards others he was sometimes protective and sometimes antagonistic, but usually he was just neutral. I could always feel him if I tried to. At one point he became so antagonistic towards a roommate that I reached out to a local group of paranormal investigators. At the most extreme, he chased her through the house to her room, and audibly laughed in my voice on the other side of her door after she slammed it. He shoved another person's shoulder, poked another person's back, and would occasionally cause things in a closed closet to fall off shelves. I met with a husband or wife, a woman who designed spirit boards, and another woman I can't quite remember. I told them the whole story about the faceless, and how he came into my life, and what the current events were. After the meeting, the husband followed me out to my bike, and shared his personal insight with me, which I really thought was cool of him. They were supposed to meet up with my roommate to get her perspective, but I think either she or they never followed through, and I never heard back from them. I can't say for sure exactly when this happened, but I've lost that sense of connection. I can't feel him anymore. I can say that once I noticed the loss of his presence is when the null began. I've never felt like I had any particular personal affinity towards anything spiritual or paranormal, and to be honest I feel silly even saying that. I've always been a hopeful skeptic. However, spiritual or paranormal things seemed enhanced. Whenever I was around. Ouija or spirit boards worked better if I was in the room. Tarot cards did things I don't understand, people with a sight saw things more clearly or things they hadn't seen before. Just stuff that seemed weird to me, but I eventually just started taking for granted. Ever since I stopped feeling the faceless, it's the exact opposite. I think the event that really made it sink in for me was I went on a popular and successful guided ghost tour, and because of me I feel like 12 people wasted their money. There was zero activity, which for this tour was extremely unusual. I could tell the guide was completely baffled, and even offered everyone on the tour a rain check at next to nothing. He tried one last spot, a location that isn't usually on the tour, but he was obviously pretty desperate. As my own experiment, I hung out at a spot on the route back to the tour guide's office, 
And sure enough they all said they had various levels of activity or experiences at the spot where I wasn't present. I spoke to the guide afterwards and asked if he had any insight or thoughts on my conclusion, but he hadn't heard of anything like it before. I've tried a couple of other minor experiments, and they've shown pretty much the same results. One other weird thing I've noticed is I can't go into shops that sell crystals, at least not the ones around the Sedona area. My daughter is pretty witchy, or at least likes to think she is LOL, and so we went into a couple shops up there, and I almost immediately get dizzy and nauseous. I asked one of the shop owners about it, and she suggested I hold something raw and ferrous like raw iron ore, or a similar mineral. I've tried it, and it helps a bit, but I'm still very uncomfortable like I can feel the dizziness or nausea just surrounding me without actually touching me. To be honest, I feel kinda dumb even opening up on the topic, but I miss my friend, and I don't know enough about the paranormal or spiritual or whatever to do anything about it. I guess I'm hoping someone can help me figure out if I'm right that I create this spiritual void around me, or if it's something else. I'd love it if someone could tell me how to reconnect with a faceless, but my heart tells me that's not a real option for some reason. I don't know, maybe that's just my fear. And if I am correct and I do create this null zone, maybe someone can give me some advice on how to make it useful. If I'm right and the faceless is just gone, maybe I can at least find purpose in what's left after his absence. Sorry for dumping all this lol. I guess I feel a certain way, and don't really have anyone to talk to about it. Thanks for reading if you got this far. Before I start, I have to preface this by mentioning, I've always been extremely skeptical of anything paranormal. However, there were a couple of things that happened when I was younger, and I wanted to ask anyone in this sub, if they have had an experience with something similar. Nothing too crazy, but the first one happened when I was about 14-15 years old in the back room of my family home in Australia. The room was pretty new at this point, and was separate from the house. It was built on the side of our old garage or shed. Two of my friends were staying over, and one of them was asleep on the couch while my other friend and I were awake, and I was trying to get to sleep. We were arguing about something trivial, and he was doing his best to provoke me and push my buttons. I can't remember exactly what he was saying or what we were even arguing about, but due to the incessant nature of his prodding, I do remember being quite pissed off to the point where I felt a certain amount of anger. Just when I felt like I wanted to hit him, a medium-sized black pillow between us he was on the couch about 2 meters away, and I was on a bed on the floor quickly levitated, and then flew across the room at speed, hitting the door. We both bolted outside and asked each other what the heck we just saw, haha. We attempted to try and retrieve our other friend from the room, but he was fast asleep and did not want to be woken up. The other time something similar happened was probably around the same time. I was in the computer room or study doing some homework, and I could hear my dad and brother arguing in the hallway at the other side of the house. Just as I could hear the yelling get louder, the door to the room I was in flung open very, 
very hard and slammed against the wall, leaving a dent. I immediately got up to check, but there was no one around. I went to the other side of the house to ask them why they slammed the door, but they both looked at me like I was just taking the piss or teasing. There was no way either of them did it due to the spot in the house they were at the time. Mainly, I am just curious about the theme of both of those occurrences. Both happened during arguments, so maybe a ghost or spirit hated people arguing, or there was just a strong energy from us at the time that affected the metaphysical.